Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast focused very specifically on uh, discovering biblical truths and teaching them in this world that is constantly battling for your attention. I mean, yeah, I don't have a good one. <laughs> I rarely see you at a loss for words. But hey, it happens every once in a while. It does happen every once in a while. <laughs> Are you squeezing your little stress? Uh, this is my, <laughs> as we get closer and closer to Christmas Eve services, this is just like floating around more and more and more. For those of you who are just listening, I have a stress ball that I'm working he with. He has but, a stress ball that he's working with it. Yes, I'm working with it. I'm working through my stress. Uh, my name is Jesse Mayer. I am your host for the Salty Pastor Podcast. And please welcome the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Hey, greetings and Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, this is the last full week of normal shopping and then all the men will shop next week right before christmas yeah i still gotta get my christmas <laughs> yeah, <'cause>, uh, <laughs> gotta love amazon and two-day shipping uh we we just have so many great things happening i i just love what our church does during christmas how it really focuses outward and it really tries to just help every family every individual just feel the full weight of the joy of the season and just communicating love and appreciation for everybody. Uh, we're going to have some really great Christmas Eve services. Yeah, and we're, we've been working on that. There's a lot of fun things that we've got planned. The worship Lots of really are, neat things. Yeah. The worship team just practiced last night, and the set's going to be really awesome. Awesome. So. And I'm going to have some really cool illustrations I for know. your kids. I, your I, kids I, are going to freak out when they see this. Excited. Yeah, so we're very excited. So uh, start a watch party. Uh, we are going to have on-campus services. Uh, we're going to start an early one. It's kind of a little help us work out a few kinks, but it's on the Sunday evening, the 20th at what time? At six o'clock. At six o'clock. And then we're on Christmas Eve day, which is the 24th Thursday. Correct. We've got a two, a 3.30, and a five. So three in a row. So come on down. Bring your family. Kids are especially welcome in the service because we want it to be a family event and if they need something to keep their hands busy we have Miss lots Emma of stuff them. is putting together some fun little activity bags for them to uh yeah. work through while the service is going on so we do a great job with christmas eve service it's a wonderful family tradition but if you're in a situation uh you know there'll be a lot of people wearing masks we encourage masks we don't require them or mandate them uh because we feel that people are fairly informed and and i've seen almost all idahoans practicing social distancing, practicing that. Also, there's a number of people, too, that have had it. And once you have it, you're kind of immune. And so we want to make sure that uh, everybody feels comfortable so we don't mandate that. Uh, we also uh, have watch parties and it will be streamed. So if you're in a vulnerable population, don't take the risk, you know, take care of yourself. That's a big deal. And uh, you'll be able to participate with your family online. You can start a watch party and make it a family tradition. Absolutely. And uh, I'm personally a big fan of the option where you do a Zoom and one of you like streams it. Yeah. Because um, then you guys can kind of talk through what's happening and oh, be engaged cool. while you're doing it. Um, so, so basically they get on Zoom and they start a meeting and then one person shares their screen. Yeah. And so you guys watch it together, but it allows you to kind of talk while you're doing it. Yeah. So if you're if you're not able to be with family members, you can yeah. still kind of have that Christmas experience. And then um, when you watch my illustration go bad, you can all squeal yes, or yell and yes, everybody yes, will yes. hear it. But then I also <laughs> encourage you to be in the in the chat so that you can engage oh, yeah. with the rest of the congregation. But if you've got a couple family members you're not able to yeah. see this year, I think that Zoom option or whatever your uh, 
video conferencing application yeah. of choices. Google Meetup or Google, Google, what do they call that? Google, Google something. Hangouts, I think. Some, it's the, Google uh, Meet now, I think is what Google it is. Meet, yeah. Or so there's a lot of different ones. Or, or FaceTime through Apple. You just basically, the person who starts the meeting, uh, whatever it is, uh, shares their screen. Yeah. So that they, they on their computer, they just go to Share the... Uh, YouTube channel, please subscribe, and then you share your screen, and then everybody can watch it together. It's a ton of fun, but you can hear each other and talk and have yeah. a great time. Well, and if you're not technologically advanced and you're like, that sounds great, I have no idea how to do that, um, actually on our website, foothills.org, we've put together a little toolkit that will teach you how to do that with Zoom um, Sweet. so that you can do that and you're not missing out or having to try to figure it out on your own. We yeah. want to be as supportive in your ability to have a good Christmas Eve good service, Christmas no yeah. matter where you're at so. and you know that you know building that uh, toolkit you know is is part of what we're trying to do because when all this hit the biggest thing we found is everybody got isolated and alone especially older people which that's the worst thing Absolutely. and uh, you know I told the story of the gal who called and said please don't forget about me you know she's an assisted care facility the other thing we do is we have a, a food pantry it feeds over 300 families so it is a boatload of people that we feed because these a lot of these families that are in need are large families. Some are extended families uh, that are immigrants or, or people who are refugees who've come here. And so uh, that that's a big problem because how how can we communicate with them and how can we provide their needs? The other thing that we've really found is not only are people in assisted care facilities, but a lot of people in our church who are elderly uh, who are really concerned about COVID. And uh, we, we were really fearful that they're getting isolated. Uh, we've seen our students and kids. It's been really hard psychologically. I just read a report yesterday about the psychological damage that's happening because of the lack of socialization mm. uh, for children. And so anyway, uh, because we value people so much, that's our primary value because God loves people. And our, it's like, how do we minister to people? How do we know their needs and meet their needs? And how do we go after uh, people who are isolated and nobody knows about it? And how do we feed people who are in, you know, hungry and in need? How do we do all that kind of stuff? And what we found is by building that toolkit that you just talked about right. is that we're building bridges to people. And these are digital bridges. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things we want to do is use uh, the phone because everybody has a phone. Even people who are the poorest of the poor in America have cell phones. Right. And so we're, we're, that's what our Christ's birthday offering is going to go for. Every year we have a, a special offering over and above our regular giving, and it goes to something that can make an immediate difference in people's lives in our community. And so we're really excited that we found that we want to not only minister to people on our campus, Absolutely. right? Right. We want to reach all these people because even people in our church, people have been members for a long, long time. You know, when school was canceled and they both had to go homework, they say, look, our marriage is strained, you know, because our whole lives are strained. Our kids are bouncing off the wall and they're strained and say, uh, we, we, you know, we need some parent coaching here. We need some, some support here, you know? And, and they're like, well, because my job is working in the front line, I can't come down to church building, you know, and have a meeting with people because I have to be really careful with who I interact with. Right. And so 
So it's like, man, we want to build a bridge to you so that everything that you need in this situation, all the stress it's creating, all the problems and frustration and aggravation that it's creating in your life, your church wants to be there, walk with you through it, support you, coach you. And that's why building bridges digitally to people is so critically important. So when you give this year to the Christ birthday offering, you're giving to building bridges to every person who is in need because of what COVID has done in upsetting their life. Absolutely. And I think it's just important because it's like, it's, I think when people hear the word digital bridges, they're like, oh, this is just for trying to find new people out there. And it's like, like you were saying, it's yeah. like, this is a, not just a digital bridge to people that aren't part of our congregation or who aren't saved yet. This it is to will, our, it, yeah. It's to our people and it's those to people. Our people. It's, yeah. to, it's to both and it's yeah. dual function. It's going to have, I mean, what we're talking about and thinking about doing is going to be such a huge blessing. Yes. Um, in just the ability for people to get resources in whatever life situation they're yeah. in at that point in time. And it, it's really important to me because I can't tell you how many people will send me an email and they'll say, Pastor Doug, I'm, I'm having a really hard time in this situation. I'd really love to talk to you. I, I just felt so bad reaching out because I know you're so busy because you know you're preaching and teaching and yourself. And when people send me that stuff, it just breaks my heart. It right. really does. Because the only reason I preach and teach and do the salty pastor is because of those people. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's why I exist is for you. I, I mean, I do what I do for you. And it, it breaks my heart when you feel you can't reach out when you're in need, you know? And so I'm thinking, what's the best way to help all these people in our church, in our community who are in that need, but feel like, well, I don't want to bother, you know, Pastor Doug right now or Jesse or Pastor Harv or whatever, because I know they're, they're so busy. And, and other people have problems that are probably bigger than mine right now, and they need to be served first and so forth. And, and so wouldn't it be so awesome if I could take, you know, so many answers to questions and answers to situations and build a digital bridge so that when you feel that way, you can access it on your phone and just, and you can get counsel and coaching and advice from me in a general sense to start the process. You know, I, and that's why I think these digital bridges are so important because I, I, the worst thing to do is when you're under stress or under pressure is not ask for help. Absolutely. Well, I think it's important that you guys think about that as yeah. the CBO is coming up. Um, we're really excited about excited. it, about what we can do in 2021 with this. Um, but let's get into some of the Salty Pastor stuff. So we are currently in the series titled Jesus mm -hmm. is King. Yes. Uh, it's a study of the Christologies. There are passages of scriptures in the New Testament mm -hmm. um, that are specifically de uh, describing the nature yes. of Jesus, right? And we thought it would be appropriate at Christmas, the celebration of his birth, mm -hmm. to study his nature. So on Tuesday, we looked at Philippians 2, 5 through 11, and talked about the power of Jesus as King and the power of redemption. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, you know, the power of Jesus. So we've talked about his claim and his authority to have the throne. We've talked about the impact of his kingdom in history and how it's growing. And now I think what we ought to do is talk about why is his kingdom so powerful, the power of the king. And that has to do with the nature of redemption. And what we've been talking about over the last few months in the salty pastor in particular is a basic understanding of what it means to be a human being 
And why our society in America is so divided right now and people can't seem to come together on anything, um, I think is because there is a fundamental disagreement over what does it mean to be human. And mm -hmm. that right there is a problem because one, one group will say a human being is a sovereign, free existing sentient being and the other side will say it's a deterministic thing that can be molded into shape whatever we want to mold and shape it into well it's really hard to find any common ground when you have such a fundamental disagreement like that right and so what we want to do is is we've been bringing up what i call christian apologetics and that comes from uh the latin apology or defense so apologetics is found. It's, it's not us apologizing yeah. for something we did. It's no, it's it's articulating the power of this definition of what it means to be a human being through the eyes of God. And so we are not apologizing for it. We're defending it, articulating it, and proclaiming it as powerful as we can. And it's resonating with people because... So far, everybody else has just thought, well, it just seems to be a tit for tat. It's just a back and forth, you know, this or that, this or that. And what people are starting to realize is they listen to the salty pastor. Oh, I'm starting to understand what the real conflict is. There isn't a conflict between science and faith. You know, what there's a conflict is between these deeper issues that we're discussing in, in redemption is such a powerful discussion because it has to do, it cuts to the very core of our definition of what it means to be a human being. And that's what uh, this passage of scripture and the implications of this discussion are so significant for us today. Well, let's dig into the, some of those specific implications for our world okay. um, concerning the power of redemption and its influence on what it means to be a human being. Well, the power of Jesus is the power of redemption. And what that basically means is that the primary thing that he did, his exclusive mission for coming. Now, there's a lot of other things that happened. You know, there are people that were healed. But what's really interesting is, uh, I just like to point out, people that got healed died. Okay? They did not live forever. Yeah. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but then he died again, right? He's not still running around. He's not today. still run, running around. He doesn't have Amazon stocks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, another thing is that Jesus fed the 5,000, right? And all those people, what happened is they got hungry again, right? So these are incredible things. They're powerful things. And so what we want to do is we want to get down and when, like when you really ask Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus about why he came, he says, I came to give my life a ransom for many. And then he said, I am the resurrection and the life that whoever believes in me will live even though he may die, which is, okay, so now we're getting to the really core nut of why Jesus Christ came. And that was to give his life as a ransom. And so he died. And that it all has to do with redemption. The word ransom means I need to purchase back, right? Right. So my life is purchasing back everybody else. So God is redeeming you. And uh, it reminds me of something. It, it doesn't happen much anymore, but long time ago when I was a, when I was a kid. When is, you walked 
to hit school both ways, yeah, uphill, yeah. uphill both ways in the snow. Yeah, without shoes. Yeah, without <laughs> shoes. Um, uh, what <laughs> happened is you could go over to there was a store called TG and Y. You could go to Kmart's. You could go to these different types of stores, and they would have toys and tools and household goods and all these kinds of things. And you could go there and you could say, hey, I want to buy this uh, for my mom for Christmas, you know, but I'm a kid. I don't have a lot of money. I get a little bit of allowance, 50 cents a week or whatever, and it's $2. And so the person would then say, okay, I'll put it on layaway. And then what I would do is they would take it, they'd put it on a back shelf with my name on it. And then as soon as I paid for it, I redeemed it, right? Then I could have it. But it was in the storeroom until it was paid for. Another way to look at it is a pawn shop. You know, you take something of significance, a ring or something, you know, a tool down to the pawn shop, and they give you half of its value. And so now you have this little, you know, little tag, and it's a redemption tag. And so if you want to get your tool back, you've got to go down in a certain period of time, and you got to pay them what they gave you plus interest. Boom. And so this notion is, is, is that Jesus came for redemption is an important doctrinal principle of the church. It's called the, uh, let me see if I can get all, you know, it's a substitutionary point of the atonement. Okay. okay. And what, but what that uh, means is that there is a payment that has to be given in order for us to be free, and Jesus chose to pay that price on our behalf. So that, that's, what the, that's what Jesus came to do, was to give us redemption. And the power of redemption is the most affirming aspect to humanity. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, I, I, get, Why? I, I get that it's, you know, he's purchasing us back. He's giving yes. us freedom to then make our own choices. And again, we are... We have that freedom of choice, whether what yes. we're going to do with that, that, that freedom, well, the, but how is that the most affirming thing? What, what, what does that? Okay. Mean? So, um, let me put it this way. You have a brand new Ferrari. Okay. Nice. Uh, that Ferrari brand new is worth $250,000, right? So. In order for you uh, to get it, right, somebody has to pay what to get that Ferrari? $250,000. So, you know, you go down and you give them paper. Okay, well, the paper is worthless unless there's something printed on that paper. Right. (laughs) <laughs> which says this is legal tender useful for all blah 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 blah. when you read your i don't read, read the fine print on you the don't, money that i have but that's what it is okay so it's issued by the federal government it's backed by the federal government so forth you, you guys are getting the point is that there's value to it and so that paper then is traded for the value of the vehicle and so the redemption act determines the value okay so so why this is so significant is because redemption cuts to the very core of what it means to be a human being and our value as a human being exactly it gives you intrinsic value because what did it cost to buy you back the son of god exactly so you know jesus said that um the greatest 
gift is when someone lays down his life for a another friend or another right so but so somebody can give their life and that would give your life value like for instance at the end of the movie saving private ryan Mm -hmm. you remember you know tom hanks and his death scene he always has a really dramatic death scene you know he's trying to win that oscar dramatic (laughs) he could be dramatic you know he's sitting there leaning against the motorcycle and he's shooting at tanks with his little 1911 you know popping off rounds and he's all shot up he's about ready to die and then suddenly the calvary comes in and saves them all and and private ryan you know who's being played by Matt Damon goes over there and is trying to save him and he pulls him down and he whispers to him you know you know make this count you know Mm. like live a good life because we all died so that you could live and and so you see wow that gives his life a lot of value but even all their lives given on his behalf could not save him Mm. You see, it could give him his life value, but it couldn't save him in the cosmic struggle. And so who had, so it wasn't just another human being that came to redeem you. It had to be God himself. I think it's just important that we break it down to that. Cause sometimes, you know, yeah. your, your brain, you have these phrases <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's great. Why? 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 Why does that mean? So, so the God who created the universe and who created you came and took the form of a human being to die for you, to buy you back. So you're not a Ferrari worth 250 grand. What you are is you're an eternal soul worth the life of creator God. Mm. So you're, you're more, God is more valuable. His worth is greater than the created universe. So God gave himself more valuable than the created universe for you. Absolutely. So what does that say to your value? Makes you feel real good. Yeah, You're more valuable than the created universe, right? You are the center of God's cosmic plan. And what's interesting is that there's no greater love. So the the power of redemption, just the fact that it exists, gives your life incredible value value. Now you may choose to not believe it and you may choose to reject it. And all I know is that the people who don't believe it and the people who reject it just from a personal standpoint, practically or existentially speaking, they just have really tortured, unfun lives. Yeah. Cause there's some of those other worldviews like, um, probably like atheism would be one of the worldviews. Yeah. Like what your, what your value is. Um, or well, let's not. break those down real quick. Look, okay. look. You, when it comes to your value, if because uh, that's a great question. If you reject God's sense of how valuable you are, you're by default picking another one, yeah. right? What are your other options? What are your other like, options? This one's not it. Yeah, if I'm not going to drive a Ferrari, I got to drive something. You know, back when when I was a kid, you know, it was a Yugo. You don't even know what that is anymore. Yeah, nobody knows. You could get a smart car now or something, you know, a skateboard with uh, headlights on it. But basically, there are only so many definitions of what it means to be a human being. And and the definition of of a human being is what determines its value. Okay, so let me put it this way. If you're an atheist, you have no intrinsic value because there's no objective, anything objective outside that validates you. The only you're just a cosmic accident. Yeah, it's just an a- accident. You're part of this thing. Nobody cares. And so uh, it, that's atheism. It's all deterministic, right? 
Uh, you can look into scientism, and scientism is a little bit different from atheists. Almost all atheists are scientism people, but not all are. So it's different from Scientology? Yes, yes. Okay. This is, yeah, Scientology is uh, L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. And just so that you know where Scientology came from is L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction writer, okay? Okay. And he was, he was writing books, and back then when he was writing in the 40s and 50s, uh, when you made profit on that kind of stuff, you were taxed at like 80 or 90 percent. I mean, it was out. I mean, uh, off the charts how bad you were taxed. And there was this guy by the name of Armstrong who started a church called the Worldwide Church of Worldwide Church of God or something like that. It's kind of a cult. But he was producing all these materials. And because he was a church, he had it was a tax write off. It was tax free. So oh, everything. Okay. He made, so L. Ron Hubbard saw that and he goes. I'd like you. Know, I'd like that. <laughs> and so he wrote a book about health called Dianetics, you know, and stuff like that. And that was kind of the start of it. And okay. it's all about mental acuity and thinking. So it really ap applies to successful people who are really wealthy, you know, because it's about the power of your own mind over your own reality. Okay. There's a lot in that Scientology. But that's where I actually came from is like, hey, I'm just going to call tax, it a church so that I can, yeah, make millions okay. without being taxed. Okay. So uh, just a little side note there, a little uh, in trivial pursuit which is irrelevant factoids but scientism in itself is this notion that um, everything is so infinite and there's all these multiverses multi-dimensions all this kind of stuff and the people that really kind of introduced that was the movies men in black okay so you remember at the end of all the men in blacks, you know, they were like, oh, this universe is so small, you know, and then it's in a, in a locker and then they open it up and they see. And the point is, is that there's all this and you're just a speck. Yeah. Right. So in essence, you're irrelevant in the right. whole process. Uh, that's one definition. The other, the, then, then basically after that, you so those only are our first two options, atheism yeah, or scientism, scientism, which are basically non-theistic origins, which they're all deterministic. Right. And deterministic basically means this, is that your existence is irrelevant. You're in a closed system. The physical is all there is. There's nothing beyond. Okay. So, the, so you know, some deep philosophers and deep thinkers talk about this and say, well, if this is all this is, then why has the mind evolved to a point to think cognitively outside of itself? If it's such a closed system. Yeah. Hmm. That in and of itself is a massive contradiction. And so... Uh, that's why there's a um, people don't know this, but philosophically speaking, there's this massive uh, revival towards theism because they don't know how they to can't, explain it. Yeah. In any other well, way. because determinism and scientism is just so irrationally insipid. A nice way of saying it is it's stupid. <laughs> um, but then that puts you in not salty. I'm sorry, but it's true. Uh, the next thing is is now you're in theism. So you go over to theism and you've got like three or four different options there. The first one is Hinduism. And I don't think what people realize is that in Hinduism, uh, the, is there is a God, but the God is impersonal. It's like the force in Star Wars. Okay. It's an energy that holds the universe together. In Hinduism, it is specifically infinite. And so... This is why the scientific concept of the Big Bang that we actually know when the universe started and space-time started uh, is really difficult for Hindus, you know, and because it's a specific claim that's a part. And the big thing about it is because it's an energy that's impersonal, you are absorbed into it. So nirvana is ultimately you want to get to the place where you lose yourself. 
you're no longer you you there's no you that is you anymore you're just uh you're just a uh, another molecule in the force that's out there okay. you know um and so that that's hinduism then there's buddhism and in buddhism technically there is no god there's no afterlife in buddhism now what some buddhists have done has taken parts of hinduism which is this you know when you die you're absorbed into the energy and then if there's bad karma around you then you're reincarnated but here's what's really interesting is when you're reincarnated the you that is you after you die is not reincarnated into the new you so your be your your karma from before you're responsible the new you is responsible for somebody else's sins hmm. which is really odd to me and that doesn't give you in your life any intrinsic value do you see how that actually right. lowers you cuz you're you're just basically a repository you're an after, you're an yeah after effect of something else that something happened. else that happened yeah you're the you're the spin-off that happened from this in former lives and and that's just the way it is and that's why their society is so structured and that's why they have uh, a caste system that it's hard to move in and out of mm. see there's no incentive for me to give people who are in the lowest caste, which is the untouchables, there's four major castes in India and in Hinduism. And I was speaking to our missionary in India who's lived his whole life there. And I asked him, how many people are in the lowest caste, the untouchables? He says 50% of the population. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And see, there's, and that's why poverty is so bad there is because there's no incentive for me and an upper caste to help you because you don't have any intrinsic value. You're part of the untouchables. Now, what is happening there, and this is why India is in such flux right now, is I may adopt a free market economy so that I can enrich myself and I can live richer. And by default, that's going to spin off on you some. So my karma is good and that, that doesn't matter. But actually improving your life because I see you as an equal, that's not a part of Hinduism at all. And that's why today modern day slavery is practiced predominantly in India. Hmm. So that's where most of the rescues occur uh, and this is this is actual labor slavery, just like it was back in the you know early 1800s in the Americas. So uh, that's where most of the rescues happen with the organization that my wife and I work with. So uh, there's Hinduism, there's Buddhism, there's Islam, and Islam believes very strong in the afterlife, but Islam has no um, affirmation or confidence in salvation. So you have to live really, really well, and then you die, and you're in the grave until the fi there's a final judgment, and it's at that point where Allah capriciously decides whether you go to heaven or hell. And so that's really interesting, you know. However, the only way you can bypass that lack of knowing, because you don't know. Right. You know, it's... You're well, just hoping. You're just hoping. There's no, there's no uh, affirmation or security in the fact that you will go. And to, to paradise, they don't call it heaven, they call it paradise. There's only one way to bypass that lack of knowing, and that is as if, in the Quran, is if you die as a martyr in the jihad for Allah. And so now there's a lot of interpretation out there. Some, some muftis will say that means it has to be sanctioned by Allah and so forth. You can't kill innocent people. But a whole lot of other Islamists interpret it the other way. Anybody who's an infidel or an unbeliever 
And if I'm in that battle, I can bypass it. And so that's because some people have come to me and say, how do you recruit people to die, you know, in a suicide bombing? How do you do that? Well, this is why it's it's a very important part of their doctrine. And and then they've radicalized those people into believing. Yes. And when you radicalize somebody, if they're raised in a belief system that allows you, you know, if you go from here across the Grand Canyon, you know, that leap is big. Right. That's really hard. But if it's just one step, it's not hard at all. Right. And in Islam, because you never know, there's no affirmation because the definition of human being is that is that there's, you know, Allah is capricious, meaning he's. Uh, he can just do whatever he wants whenever he wants. He has, there's he no relational. Yeah, there's no relational component between you two. And so you're, you have to do the best you can, follow the six pillars of faith, and then ultimately at the end, he may let you go. Okay? So, uh, and that's paradise. So what my point is, is that these are the definitions of what it means to be human. And Jesus his definition of what it means to be human is the only one that says that you are the center of God's God's cosmic plan. God is wanting you to be in relationship with him in an interpersonal relationship. And in order to make that happen, I am going to take the form of a human being and I'm going to suffer death on a cross, the most humiliating way in order to pay the price so that you could be in relationship with me. You have value. So that's why redemption is the most affirming thing that could ever happen, which is strange to me when I talk, cause I've talked to, you know, atheists and people who don't believe and so forth. And I was talking to this one guy, self-made guy, and it was kind of an adventure and he had really good survival skills. And he just said to me point blank, you know, which I always appreciate people who kind of tell you what they're thinking. You know, he just said to me point blank, he goes, what do I need saving from? <laughs> I say it myself. You know, so he has a belief in himself. Right. And so I'm like, well, so in essence, he's an atheist because I'm like, well, in this close in this close system, you're doing really good. Props to you, bro. I said, but what happens when you're in a pickle? You can't save yourself. And he's like, I've never found myself in a situation I can't save myself from. And I go, oh, so you're going to save yourself from death. How's that going to work? Because that's the one trap you can't escape. Right. And so I don't know. After that, where it went with him, my prayer is I planted a seed. But my point being is that the fact that God wants to save us and made it possible to redeem us is what gives our life human dignity. It gives our lives value beyond belief. And that is a definition of humanity that I want to be a part of. You know that our entire justice system is built on that definition of humanity it's not built on any of the others it's only built on that because you can redeem yourself by serving time or serving your sentence or what no because every human being has what dignity and value therefore we cannot impose a punishment on anybody that is cruel and unusual so we have to treat all of our prisoners, regardless of the heinousness of their crime. We have to 
treat them as human beings that still have dignity. However, justice demands that they have to pay a price for the crime they committed, because when you commit a crime, you are uh, against the dignity and value of another human being. being. So the, that's our justice system. That's how it, it works and why it works that way. Now, I'm not saying it works well. It is not a perfect system because yeah. it was designed by man. Yeah. However, but what I'm saying is that in its inception, that was kind of the concept. The other thing, too, is this, is that you are what until proven guilty? Innocent. You are innocent. See, and that's that. How can you be innocent before proven guilty? Well, it's obviously written to control the state so it can't uh, unjustly accuse you of something, even though that that does happen and innocent people have gone to jail. The underlying principle, though, is this, is that you are the center of God's cosmic plan and at some point our hope and our prayer is while you're paying the price for your crime you will discover how that god came to redeem you so so and that's probably one of the biggest arguments uh, in christian circles against the death penalty and that is is that we want people to have as long as possible to discover their need for redemption and how redemption brings value to their lives but justice demands, and I'm full of words, that when, if a person commits a crime, they should p- pay the full penalty of their crime. And by letting people off from paying the full penalty of their crime, what we're actually doing is dehumanizing life. We're dehumanizing individuals. We're dehumanizing the sovereignty of other people because what we're saying is what was done to them is irrelevant. Hmm. Well... We've learned a lot today about how <laughs> valuable we are, and our king finds us valuable, yes. which is amazing that he would come and redeem us, uh, someone so powerful. So That's uh, what Christmas is all about. It's celebrating that he came to redeem us. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, please make sure you tune in on Sunday uh, morning for the third part of your Salty Pastor experience. It's important to experience all three, the Bible study, the deep dive on Thursdays, and yes. then finally the message on Sundays. So Pastor Doug will be uh, finishing up this uh, discussion on redemption. And then obviously if you are uh, making your plans for Christmas Eve, you want to either do that Sunday night one at 6 o'clock or Christmas Eve services at 2, 3.30, and 5 on Thursday. Yes, very exciting. All right, well, we will have more Salty Pastor for you next week. But until then, blessings. Merry Christmas.